Good morning, I'm Thad Lanthrop, I'm the administrative pastor here. And before we get into the message this morning, I'd like to, to draw your attention to something as well. There's a flyer in your, in your program there for the Christmas offering. And we're going to kick off our special Christmas offering this Sunday. Um, and I, I just wanted you to be aware of the opportunity that, that you have with that. Our, we have done our uh, special Christmas offering for, for several years and it supports ministries in the L.A. area as well as throughout the world. Um, and it, it's going to begin today. And so we wanted to, it's going to run through January 5th. And we wanted to give you a, a heads up that, that it's coming. And it's it give you an opportunity to, um, to, to pray about it and see if that's something that you wanted to, to be involved in. But this year, the, the Christmas offering, the ministries that we're going to be giving to are on the back here. And I really like numbers and charts, and, and it's pretty cool. We got a, a pie chart ornament on the back of the flyer. To me, that gets me excited. Probably not most of you, I know, but it's pretty exciting for me. But we're going to give, um, we're gonna give 10% um, of the Christmas offering to the Lottie Moon, which is a world's missions um, fund. It's a Lottie Moon offering named after a pioneer missionary to China. So we're going to give 10%, and that supports about 5,000 missionaries throughout the world. Um, and then we're going to give 35% um, of the Christmas offering to Christian Challenge, which is um, a, it's a student ministry. Um, Neil Walker is a longtime member at Church in the Valley, and he's the director of the, of the Christian Challenge ministry at University of Southern California, as well as the state. Um, and then we're also going to give 35%. We're going to set that aside for some Church in the Valley outreach and events. Um, we've, really, we've really stretched a lot this year financially with starting the Alhambra campus and getting that going. And so we're going to use part of the Christmas offering to be able to do some events at Easter as well as continue to, um, reach, uh, continue to do advertising to, to people in our area. Um, and then we're also going to do 20% of the offerings are going to go to Central Asia. Um, we have some members in our, our congregation who... Um, work in Central Asia, um, and they, um, they serve to meet the needs of a people group there, um, as well as with the goal of introducing them to, to Christ and, and how to learn to follow Him. And so this Christmas offering is a great opportunity um, for, for us to give above our, our tithes and offerings, um, to support what God is doing um, close to us and throughout the world. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that's coming up, and it'll be now and through until January 5th. Today, we're, we're, we're going to wrap up our Money Talk series. Um, so far, through the, the Money Talk series, we've talked about a few issues. The first week, we talked about ownership, and we talked about how money, money talks to us, and it tells us that we own it, that we own money. But as we looked at the Scripture, what we find is actually God owns it all. Not only did He create everything, but he owns, he owns all our money and possessions. We also looked at management of our money and our finances. Money tells us what is, in, what is most important to us. And so we're, we're conduits to money. And we, we, we receive money and we pass it through. And where we pass it shows what's most important to us. It shows where our values really are. And as we, as we manage our money, we need to engage both our head and our heart. Um, to be able to take the steps of, of faith that, that God um, wants us to take. 
And then in the last, last week, we talked about giving and generosity. Uh, money talks to us and tells us to take care of me and mine first. Um, but last week, we saw how giving is a key area for our growth. Um, we're able to um, be growing and reaching new levels of ge- generosity all through, throughout our lives. If you missed any of these, these messages, you can catch them on our, our website. Um, but today we're going to be wrapping up the series um, talking about contentment. Um, from childhood, this, this is an issue that we all struggle with. I remember, you know, it's, it's getting close to Christmas time, and I remember growing up and coming down the stairs, you're excited, you, you unwrap all the, the presents that are under the Christmas tree, and you're excited for the toys but there, for me, there was always that nagging thing. I wonder if there's one more for me somewhere around here. And that's how it is with us. You know, I, I'm, I am a um, father of two boys, um, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a one-year-old. And right now, my, my one-year-old Jeremy, he's just starting to kind of verbalize and communicate some, and his favorite word is more. And he walks around the house with his hand out like this, saying more, more. And he hasn't even had anything yet, but he knows he wants more. And so from a very early age, we struggle with this desire for more, and we want more. As we get older, fortunately, we get more sophisticated in in how we ask for more. We don't go around asking for more like that anymore. Um, But we always have that, that desire or that, you know, we could just have a little bit more than what we have now. A verse that talks about this concept is Proverbs 27.20. It says, Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are the eyes of man. And so this verse is just saying we have this unquenchable desire for more. We want more. We, we tend to think that if we just have a little more, then we're finally going to have it all together, and we'll, we'll be satisfied. At least I know for me, that's, I think, you know, if I just have this, this, this thing, I'll, I'll have it all together. We see all the things that money can buy for us, and it's easy just to put our, our trust into what we can see in, in the money. And we think that if, if we just have an, enough money, we're going to be safe. We can find shelter in that money. But the truth is, really, running to money for shelter is like running to a mirage. You, you know, a mirage, you, you run to something, you think, okay, I'm finally going to be safe here, and then it moves on you. The mirage is, is somewhere else now. And running to money, it's, it's like that. Let's, let's look at the scriptures again and, and what it teaches. Ecclesiastes was written um, by Solomon. And Solomon says that he wrote the book as he was seeking the meaning of life. He was trying to answer the question, what really matters as we carry out our lives under the sun? So what's really important? He was Israel's wealthiest king, and so if if anybody was going to be satisfied with wealth and money, it was going to be Solomon. Ecclesiastes 5, 10, and 11 says, Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And so the more you have, the more you get, the more people show up to help you spend that money. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? 
<clears throat> and so as we get more, more, more money, more anxiety increases. Let's take a look at these. We got a couple quotes here from some millionaires, some modern day um, millionaires, some of them, some of them are kind of from far from the past, but um, let's take at these quotes. They're echoing what, um, what Solomon is saying here. Warren Buffett says, too often a vast collection of possessions ends up possessing its owner. John Rockefeller says, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Cornelius Vanderbilt, the, the, the man who gave enough money to get Vanderbilt University named after him, he started it, um, he said, the care of millions is too great a load that there is no pleasure in it. So he, he's a man, he started Vanderbilt University. His family also built, I want you to take a look at this picture, his family also built this. Um, it's called the Biltmore Estate, and it's a 250-room French Renaissance chateau. It's in North Carolina. My father-in-law has actually visited it. It has four acres of floor space in the house, 35 bedrooms, 43 bathrooms, and 65 fireplaces. And he's saying, you know, there's no pleasure in it. It's pretty amazing, um, just the, the, how they're echoing what Solomon was saying. And then this is one of my favorite um, quotes. Henry Ford says, I was happier doing mechanics work. So it's not a bad thing to have a lot of money. There, there's nothing wrong with money in and of itself. You know, Scripture says that God, he's made both, both rich and poor. 1 Samuel um, 2, 7 is where that, that verse comes from. But being wealthy is, is not a sin. In fact, um, there were some of the great men in the Old Testament were extremely wealthy. Abraham, Job, Solomon, who, who we looked at. But the issue that we're, we're addressing today is how easy it is to run to money as the answer. When, whenever we believe that more money is the answer to our lives, we're really we're running towards deception. <clears throat> In 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11, Paul, he's, he's, Paul's a first century um, church planner, and he's writing to his protege, Timothy. And um, he's writing to him on, he's, he's giving him some coaching on how to guide his church as they interacted with this issue of money and the desire for more. And so let's, let's take a look at this and what he's saying. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But we have food and clothing we will be content with that. And so verse 6 there, it, it starts with the word but. And, and whenever it starts with but, it means he's, he's, he's building off of something that he previously um, was talking about. And in the preceding passage, Paul is, is talking <clears throat> and he's describing false teachers. Um, and the, these false teachers were, um, were manipulating and twisting the truth of the Scriptures um, and, and using their religious activity in a way to get rich, and they were calling it great gain. And so Paul picks up on this idea of the, the great gain, and he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
He says that growing in, in godliness and actually pursuing God himself and choosing contentment, that's what produces a rich life. <clears throat> contentment in this context, is it really means that you're satisfied um, with what God has given you, and you're satisfied in him. It, it's really easy for me, I, I don't know about you guys, it's really easy for me to slip into that, that mode of, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what I have, but if I just had that one more thing, I, I'd, I'd be more happy. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be better. A couple of weeks ago, my, I was driving home, and my car started to overheat. And I was about two minutes away from my house when I noticed the, the gauge was on hot. Um, and I thought, uh-oh, that's not good. I hope I can make it home. And um, by the time I made it, from when I noticed that to home, I had convinced myself that I needed a new car. It, the thought process went something like this. It went, wow, it's, it's overheating. I, that's like two or three times this year that it's overheated. I, I wonder, hmm, I wonder how much it's going to cost to fix it. Well, you know what? It's getting close to the timing belt. That's going to cost a lot of money too. And so, well, maybe, you know, I don't want a fancy car. I don't want anything fancy. I just something a little better. That would be good. Maybe a little more reliable so I don't have to keep taking it to the shop and, and spending time doing that. Just a, a little reliable would be good. And by the time I got home, yeah, I needed a little more reliable car. Completely, completely not the truth. But I had convinced myself in that moment that I, I needed that. And it's, it's in moments like those that we have a choice. <clears throat> And contentment is a choice that protects us. Paul continues on to tell us that there is safety in contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 9, it goes on to describe what happens when we give in to our desire for more. It says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and deception. And the, the New Testament um, was, was originally written in, in the Greek. And the idea behind, um, the Greek idea behind people who want to get rich is to will yourself to get rich. And so you, you're going to will yourself. You're going to put yourself, you're going to do all that you can to, to become wealthy and put yourself in that, in that situation. We all have our own idea of, of what wealthy is. Maybe it's a bigger house, it's, it's a new car. Um, a lot, you know, for a lot of us, it's just something a little bit better. And this passage isn't really getting into the definition of, of what wealthy is and all that. But what, what it is, is it's showing us where the desire for more leads and what happens as we go down that road. And what happens is, as, as we have this desire, what, what happens in this passage, what it's saying is that we get tempted because we think that we, we don't have all that we need. And the temptation turns out to be a trap, and which leads us into some foolish and harmful behavior. And then that leads to, into ruin and destruction. And what it is, is it's describing here is really a, a spiral of events. I think... Yes, you got the spiral. There's a spiral on the screen. Um, and what it's describing here is really just a, this spiral downward of where this, this seemingly innocent desire for more and, and what we want can take us. 
<clears throat> and so let's take a little bit closer look at, at what happens in the spiral. The Greek word for, for temptation here, um, the idea behind it is solicitation. And so something that's going to entice or, or lure you um, into doing something. I, I ran into a good solicitor a, a few years back, a good salesperson. Um, I, I had signed up for a credit, free credit report online, and I, I just kind of wanted to know where I was. I was newly married. I thought, oh, that's a responsible thing to do. You know where your, your credit score is. Um, and so I, I signed up for this, and in the process, you have to put in your, your credit card and everything so that you have to call them to cancel. It's, it's part of their plan. And so I decided it was coming up on the month where I was going to have to pay, so I, I called them in. I called in with the intent I was going to cancel the plan. I, I, didn't wanna, I didn't need it anymore. I just wanted to see where I was at. So I called in, and by the end of the conversation, I not only was still on the, the, the free credit report, I had upgraded to now I knew all three of my credit bureau scores, and they, they had, it was really, anyway, I won't get into the details. It was very impressive how they turned my desire to cancel into more money for them. Um, and so, it, anyway, I called two months later, and and with more resolve to cancel that time, and canceled it. But they got a couple months out of me. <clears throat> but that's what temptation does. It, it, it entices us and lures us into doing something that we really don't, we don't want to do. And so what, what this passage is saying, so we, we, we're going down the spiral. So we, the temptation comes, and then we hit the, the trap. It's a trap. And the idea behind the trap is really it's a trick. Um, and, and so we get enticed and lured into something that tricks us. Um, and it tricks us into foolish behavior. And the foolish behavior there, what it's talking about, is just being unintelligent. And so what happens is we're, we're going along, and we have this you know, desire for more, and we get tempted, and, and it entices us and lures us in, it turns out to be a trick, and then we start acting unintelligently. But we think it's intelligent. We think it, it's, we're, we're being smart. But in reality, we, we aren't because we're so focused on our goal that we're blinded to the consequences of our actions and, and what might happen. Um, and then um, it, it goes on, the, the Greek word for harmful is injurious, so it's, it's pretty closely related there. Um, but the desire for wealth, it, it's, it can become so strong that we start to hurt the people around us, those we love and ourselves. <clears throat> and then the, the ruin and destruction. So it leads us into the ruin and destruction. And the, the idea behind the ruin and destruction there is a prolonged destruction of the physical, spiritual, or eternal. And so choosing to, to seek refuge in, in money, it, it ultimately... And choosing to, to give into that desire for more, it, it can lead to our destruction because we lose sight of everything around us in search for that contentment in something that can't provide it. Money can't provide that contentment that we're seeking and we're searching for. And so we, we keep seeking for a little more and a little more, and we keep going deeper and deeper into the spiral until it ends up in the, the ruin and destruction. So it all starts with that desire for more. It starts with the desire, and it spirals down into 
this destruction. So we, we need to make sure that we keep our desire for more in check. Um, we need to, to proceed, when we start to get that itch for something new, we need to proceed cautiously. Because again, money, it's, it's not bad in and of itself. We can use money to give back to God what is his. We can use it to bless others, provide for our families. Those are good things, good things that God wants us to do. Um, but the desire for more can also be because we just want more. And it, it can be because we're just, we're, we want to have more stuff. And we're growing discontent with what God has is, is given us. Because the, the problem there is that we're focusing on what we don't have and not on what God has already provided for us and given to us. And so, if, if our desire for more is growing from that, that discontent, we need to take a step back and figure out what's going on so that we can get out of this spiral, get out of this, this deception that, that is happening. Because the spiral, you're, you're spiraling down in, but there's off-ramps on the spiral. You don't have to keep going down. You can get off, you can get off at any time. You know, with the car, when, when I was driving home, by the time I, I, I got home, I had decided that I needed, you know, a new car. Not a new car, a reliable car. You know, a used car. Nicer than I had. Fortunately, that week, I, I, talked, I talked with some people and mentioned what I was thinking. And as I was saying it, I, just, I realized how foolish and unintelligent my thoughts were. I didn't need a new car. My car's great, and it, you know, I took it to the shop, and it wasn't that expensive. And, um, so there's off-ramps. I got tempted. I almost fell into the trap. I was tricked into thinking for a while that I needed that, that new thing. That was going to solve all my problems. Um, but I, you can get off, so you can get off the, the spiral downward. 1 Timothy 6.10, let's keep going, working our way through 1 Timothy uh, 6 here. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, um, it, it shows us that, that contentment protects us so that we don't lose faith. So it's not just material that we can ruin ourselves, but it's that we can lose our faith. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So not only can we destroy ourselves and our families materially, <clears throat> but the love of money can wander us from, from away from our faith in our Lord, Jesus, our Lord, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so it's really serious, this, this area of discontent is, is really serious. It can really get us off track. And when, when we start to be discontent, we're, really, we're starting to tempt ourselves to think, and, and we're starting to step out of bounds with what God has for us. We're tempting ourselves to, to think that if God really loved me, he'd give me what I want. Or God can't really provide for my needs. And we think it's needs, but really it's our wants. Or God really, he doesn't want what's best for me. And here, you know, sitting here on Sunday, we can look at those statements and see, you know, those aren't really that smart. Those aren't really that intelligent. But in the moment, I know I've had thoughts like that a lot. And in the moment, they seem like they're so true. And so it's, and that's, that's what happens here in this spiral. It tempts us into thinking things that aren't true, that aren't intelligent, 
and it tempts us to lead us down this, this road to our ruin. In a storm, people run for, for shelter. You know, when it's hailing or it's raining, you, you run somewhere for shelter. I, I've, um, I spent several years in Texas, and there were storms there. I didn't, I, I grew up in California. I didn't really know what a storm was until I, I moved back to Oklahoma and Texas. And I was playing softball one day, um, and it, it was kind of stormy out there. It, stormy weather, but nothing had happened yet. And in Texas, it can change in 30 minutes. So we were out there playing. And all of a sudden, I was in the infield. All of a sudden, the left fielder starts running in, yelling something. And we all kind of turned around and looked at him like he was crazy. And then we realized what he was saying. He was saying, hail, hail. And he was running because he was getting pelted with ice. And so we, we all ran for shelter. We, were, we, um, we ran to the dugout first. And the dugout, it just had kind of a plastic tarp over it. And so we realized this isn't going to hold it. We're still going to get pelted. So then we ran to a permanent shelter. You know, it's easy, just like we ran to the dugout first. That was the easiest shelter to go to. That was the first thing that came to mind. And it's normal. It's normal for us to run to money. It's normal for us to run to that because we we see money seems to be the answer to all our problems. Um, We we see what it it can do, what it it can buy, how it can protect us. You know, it, it fixes a lot of things, broken down cars, it fixes, you know, it, it pays hospital bills, takes care of the plumbing issue that, that we have. But it really, it can't guarantee anything that matters and satisfies. In our passage today, we're told to run after some other things. It says, run to God for shelter and find, find contentment. That's on your handout. The, the passage, 1 Timothy 6.11 says, but you, man of God, Flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We, we have a choice. We can, we can uh, pursue what most people run after, money and, and all that, that we think it's going to provide. Or we can be people of God. And we can run towards what he values most. Christ followers are told to pursue what's important to God. Um, we're, we're, we're told to pursue um, what's important to him because he's going to provide and protect us um, from the things that we thought the money would protect us from. We choose, we choose contentment with what we need and go after righteousness. Um, we go after godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So if, if you run to money as a shelter, you'll never have enough peace or contentment. Um, you're never going to experience that. And you're going to get soaked in the storms. When the storms come, you're, you're going to get soaked. Just like we ran to the dugout, and, and then we had to run somewhere else and get pelted by ice pellets. Because the storms are going to come. And if, if we're seeking shelter in something that's not going to provide it for us, we're going to get wet. But if you run to, to him, if you run to God, God will be enough as you choose contentment with what he provides for you. <clears throat> Money is a shelter. It is a shelter. 
It, it, does, it does protect. But wisdom protects life. There is another, there's another helpful passage of Scripture um, from King Solomon that, that he wrote. It's a statement that he keeps coming back to over and over again in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 and 25 says, there is, nothing, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can, who can have enjoyment? And so contentment, it's from the hand of God. God brings it. God brings contentment. We gain the most valuable things as we walk with him and pursue his goals. And enjoyment will be along the path, of, the path of righteousness, godliness, love, endurance, and gentleness. This is where God will lead us as we pursue him, and that's where we'll be able to find that real contentment. Our time here on earth, it's temporary. You know, we're not going to be able to take any of our stuff with us. Um, it's, it's all going to stay here. And it's going to flow through our hands into the hands of others. And God has made us to be conduits, not reservoirs. God wants good things for us. And he wants good things for, for those in our lives. He wants us to bless others as well. Discontent stops the flow. Discontent, it, it stops us from being conduits. It turns us into reservoirs. It can cause us to chase the wrong things and bring real harm to our lives and to those that we love. This is why the writer of Proverbs prays this prayer. He says, Proverbs 38 and 9, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches, Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I, will, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And so he's saying, Lord, give me what you want to give me. Give me enough. Don't give me too much, and then I, 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 don't, I think that I don't need you and I forget about you. Don't give me too little, and I bring shame. On, on myself and on my name because I'm, I have to go and try and steal. But Lord, please provide enough for me. He trusts God to decide, to decide his portion in life and is content with what God gives. And so the question for all of us is, are we going to be able to do the same? In a moment, Brad Rosman is going to come up and he's going to go through some next steps with us um, to respond to the message. Um, and he's also, he's going he's gonna to wrap up our message series um, since this is the last one. Um, and then he's also going to give us a little sneak peek into to next week's, um, the start of next week's message series. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for who you are and that you can provide what is necessary for us and that you will provide. And we ask that you would provide just enough for each of us to keep our faith in you. And we thank you for who you are and just ask that you would give us a real sense of joy and contentment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be receiving our offering in a moment, but...